For the third year and counting, Richard Skipper has been celebrating the artists you love. Richard Skipper is all about celebrating life, art, and his guest body of work. Please join us while he showcases these diverse and talented individuals. Here's Richard Skipper. Happy Thursday, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Richard Skipper Celebrates. As I always begin, who or what are you celebrating today? Uh, before we begin tonight, I'd like to say that I'm celebrating Robert Morse. Uh, for those of you who do or do not know, he passed away uh, today. And what a life, what a legacy. Uh, we do mourn him, but we also celebrate him. Uh, what great work. Uh, one of his favorite roles, uh, and mine too, of course, is uh, J. Pierpont Finch, uh, Fitch uh, in uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying, which came out in 1961 the year I was born. Uh, and I was lucky enough to see him on Broadway in true, truly one of the greatest performances that I ever saw. And I'm, uh, and when he won the Tony Award that year, I was so thrilled uh, to see him run up and get that award. It was well-deserved. Uh, I'm also celebrating uh, Cosmic Connections. And we're gonna be talking about Cosmic Connections tonight. We are also gonna be celebrating Intuition. And that is the word uh, for today. Uh, if any of you have any questions, comments, suggestions for our guest tonight, uh, just uh, put in a hashtag uh, uh, intuition. Uh, are you operating with your intuition tonight? Our very special guest tonight is Maureen Taylor. And I love her. I have been a fan of Maureen since I first met her uh, Wednesday nights at the Iguana uh, many years ago when I hosted with Dana Lorge uh, on 54th Street. And we've been friends ever since. We also uh, share the common bond that we are both Aquarians. So anything could possibly and will happen tonight. Before I bring her on, I'm going to uh, click down here and I'm going to bring up a video file. Uh, on the 23rd, which is coming up on Saturday, uh, there is going to be a CD release party. Uh, at Don't Tell Mama, which is where I got my cabaret debut in New York, uh, celebrating uh, the release of Cosmic Connections. Uh, and we're going to be talking about that a little later on. But here's Maureen in action, and we'll bring her on in just a few moments. Here she is. Ladies and gentlemen, Maureen Taylor. Ladies and gentlemen, Maureen there's a diva at the Met who may be crass and slutty yet sounds like an angel when she sings. How do you make magic? Surely you know what to do. For I feel a kind of magic. I like stories. I like telling stories. I reveal a husband's cheating games. Tell a wife she's older than she claims. I guess that's why people call me names. There's more to us than meets the eye. To be uncovered if you try. Within the clue you magnify. You never know what you may spy. I have eight pillows in my bedroom. Do you? I woke up at sunup and beamed like the sun. 
I wanted to run up and kiss everyone. The world looks so appetizing. Who knew I'd be toast after rising? Well, when I was 20, I actually went to see a psychic. And she said to me, honey, your life's really not going to start until you're in your 40s. Today was a chain of bad choices. Unless you take chances, how can you succeed? Hey, he could be. I was the Valentine sent to my folks, delivered from you know above. I'm a woman. to the nines, all set to go. My light outshines the lunar glow. I'm an Aquarius. I was invited to go to Hong Kong and Bangkok to be a beard. I'll let that just sink in. <laughs> and I went, but that's another show. If you just pay mind, never losing sight, somehow you If this is your path of service, celebrate it. Spirit will always find the right platform for you to use your gift and be fulfilled. Once I've been on, once I have found, I know where I belong. Rejoicing through my song, friends, I'm here to share. You certainly are, and that is truly worth celebrating. Uh, first of all, welcome to the show. And I want to ask you, beyond all of this, what else are you celebrating? Oh, my God. Every day. But first of all, I just want to celebrate my new pandemic hair color because I stopped coloring it when this chapter hit. So that's kind of wild. But, well, um, I stopped doing that quite some time ago. So welcome to the club. <laughs> silver fox and silver swans. Yes, here we are. I, always, I start our shows with a random question, but uh, my dear friend, Danielle, who is here, who is a psychic, by the way, uh, and she said there are no random questions. So I'm going to stop saying that this is a random question. Right. And the question is, what important truth do very few people agree with you on? Oh. That appearances can be deceiving because often there's so much more behind the facade, whether it's a human being and New York edifice or a children's sandbox. And one of the things that I learned very early in life 
sometimes gets me in trouble actually, because people may blow up or they may have drama or they may act <clears> out. <throat> I tend to go to, I wonder why they're doing that today. Or I wonder what made that happen. And usually it drags me into their baggage instead of they're just having a moment. But it's also given me deeper insights into people's souls. Let's put it that way. Well, let's talk about that early, early on that you talk about. Uh, first of all, look at this. I mean, uh, I mean, I look at this picture and I go, there's so much going on there. The, first of all, the poise, the confidence. Uh, tell us a little bit about who this little girl is. Uh, I asked for a, how old are you in this? Photograph? I'm actually three. I couldn't find any five-year-old pictures on hand and I wanted to get something out to you fast because today was loaded. But um, the reason you may notice those attributes is because I'm the oldest of six. Wow. Four of us are a year, a year apart. And then there's two years that separate. So I was put into a position of... Um, big responsibility early on. I had to set an example. I had to, this is one of my favorite pictures ever. Why? Because I friggin' love the ocean, salt water and salt air. And my mom had grown up in the Midwest. And, and it's actually, amazing how much you look like your mom. Well, she was, she was quite something. And interesting with us in water though, I actually taught her how to swim when she was 50. Many people, many adults, if they haven't grown up near water or if they have a tremendous fear, learn later in life. But because of this, she made sure all six of us became class act swimmers very early on because she didn't want to be taking us to the beach or the pools or worrying about having to go in and rescue us when she knew she couldn't swim. And I swam on AAU teams for the first 15 years of my life. I think I think my my body odor for the first 15 years of my life was chlorine. It was just crazy. <laughs> no, that you know, we're going to talk about a, a lot of cosmic connections tonight. Uh, I also grew up in uh, just outside of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Yeah. So I grew up also uh, by the beach. Um, and uh, confession, I'm going to make a, a confession tonight. I don't know how to swim. I'd be happy to teach you. Teach me, you know, that's something uh, I need because uh, Danny is an avid swimmer. Oh. It's one thing that I, I almost drowned when I was a kid and it petrified me. And I have, uh, and from that point on, I mean, I'll go into the shallow end of the pool and everything, but I am petrified uh, of drowning. So, so I, I, okay. So I swam competitively and let's just face it. It's not a sport you can turn professional in and get paid for it. Do you know what I mean? But it did keep us all very active growing up and in school. It was a fantastic sport, summer times, team efforts, everything. And if you became a lifeguard and you got your WSI, where, which entitled you to teach, you got paid more. So, and this was one of my jobs when I, you know, came home from college. But I vastly, I, I went back and forth between teaching adults at night, but I also taught physically and mentally challenged kids in the morning. Oh, God bless you for that. And one of the reasons for me was it's not our natural element. And you can be minus an arm or a leg and still float 
and still appreciate the freedom that you feel when you learn how to do that. And just seeing this on these little kids' faces were amazing. And you have to teach them respect for the water since it isn't our element, but it still offers them the same freedom as everybody else. And this is one of the things that, that I love to you know celebrate. So. Now, I'm going to be jumping all around tonight, but uh, you mentioned college. Uh, you went to Northwestern. I did. Uh, now, uh, did you choose Northwestern because of its music and drama department? Uh, I had absolutely nothing to do with the drama department. I was very, very much versed in the opera world and classical music. And um, considering that four of us were going to be in college at one time, my dad had sat us all down and it went like this. You will either get a scholarship or I will pay half and you will pay half. And I need to know how you're going to pay half before it happens. Smart um, man, smart man. And so I did uh, send in applications to several universities and colleges and did get accepted, but I had gotten scholarship money and awards to go to Northwestern. And it was even more poignant because it was my mom's hometown. It was also where I was born. I was born in Chicago and then my dad was transferred to New York. So um, we left Chicago and moved to New York. I grew up in Long Island, but my mother still had eight sisters and a brother left in Southside Chicago. So when she discovered that I was going to go to Northwestern, that lit her up because it was like, oh, great. I can come visit on a regular basis. It was that kind of a thing. And it was, it was, it's one of my favorite cities. So it was great. Well, I was going to ask you, deep down inside, do you feel a stronger connection to Chicago or New York? I know that you've lived here a long time and there's something, I don't know if I will be speaking at a school and if I am, just go like this and I'll stop. But you're also thinking of moving beyond New York as you yes. are moving. Can I talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, okay, great. Uh, because you and I have talked about that uh, mm -hmm. as you know, uh, as you're getting older and going into uh, the retirement years. Although those of us in the arts never truly retire mm -hmm. uh, unless they retire us. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but you, uh, do you feel more of an affinity for New York or Chicago? To be quite honest with you, I have never found home. I am very, very comfortable in a very wide variety of cities because I've lived all over. Um, I know how New York works. I know how Chicago works. I know how Philadelphia works. I know how many cities across the pond work. But that feeling that you get when you walk in and you've liked, I've come home, the closest that has ever happened to me has actually been in Bocas, Panama. And it was unbelievable. But, you, you know, we're searching all the time. And it's, there's not only just one location for all people. There may be different chapters for each part of your life. I am so grateful to New York because it's taught me how to survive, how to navigate, how to think on my feet. Um, let's face it, you know, uh, where can you go where public transportation is 24 hours, mm -hmm. where you can go out to eat at five in the morning, where there is something for everybody. And there is a huge melting pot here of many different ethnicities, languages. There's a little bit of something for everybody. So it's been an amazing, amazing city for me. But um, the call of the ocean is very strong right now. Mm -hmm for both me and my husband, so. Now you wear many hats, uh, the world of opera, the world of cabaret. You're also an actress. You uh, uh, deal in many different modalities, if you will. 
Um, which of those hats fits you most comfortably? Oh, it's been a journey because let's face it, at 17, you think your life's going to look like something. Mm -hmm. And then there's a detour and then there's another detour. And a lot of it is dictated by the goals that we set and what we think success looks like. And it's a big lesson to stop using other people as the ruler for your own success. Thank you. It's huge, um, but it does take some doing and it's not often comfortable. At 17, I wanted to be an opera singer. I played the viola. I was well versed in classical music. I never thought about theater at all. At that point in time, I never thought about it with Northwestern. And it's, it's pretty funny because I waited tables with Margie Heldenberger um, and I, Julie Louis-Dreyfus is one of my pledge daughters from my sorority. <laughs> and, oh my you know, um, um, so many crazy things from Northwestern. Who knew? Because I never knew that Michael Colby had gone there as well. So it's just- Which we're going to get to. Yeah, yes. It's yes. kind of fun. But my I, I had blinders on and I was a- um, I have a very different timbre voice. And this has been the story of my life where I never quite fit nice and neatly anywhere. Welcome so, to my world. Is that, right. an, is that an Aquarius trait? Pardon? Is that an Aquarius issue trait? Uh, well, very few Aquarians are actually like each other. We all think outside the box, you know what I mean? So it's very different. But it, it, it was also very frustrating because I would want to achieve this certain success. I mean, I, I started out as a soprano and then I had a phenomenal voice teacher, Diane Ferlano, who she was like, you know, um, you're different. You're like Friedrich von Stad. May I suggest to you that you switch gear because um, she said, think of it as switching from the viola to the cello. She said, you're going to relearn a whole new category of repertoire. It will be perfect for you because there's so much more acting vehicles there. And I was 24 when she told me this. She said, mm -hmm. at 40, you can decide what you want to be. But if you do this now, you will only make your voice healthier. You will make it easier for you to get more work because I was very castable as the pants rolls, you know, as a wide variety of different things. Um, but I'll never forget, I had uh, studied with Renata Tabaldi in Italy, and she said to me, you're going to have a problem. You want to act, and they don't want you to act. She goes, you're ahead of your time, and it's too soon. And I heard this all my life. And I'm like, what do I do until then? <laughs> what, what, what do I do? You know. It was very funny. She taught me the entire role of Adriana Lacouvre, and she said, this is for a woman who's 40. Sing one thing from this. The glorious aria, Io sono l'umile ancella. You know, I'm the accent on the words. Put it all away until you're 40, because it's not about a fog. It's about a woman who has lived, who, might, who also has the top extension. But when you're hearing this at 24 on every level, you're like, great, now what? What, am I going to be waiting tables for the rest of my life? Am I going to be catering for the rest of my life? Am I going to be, you know, it's very, very perturbed. You know, it's just like, what do I do? But you have to grow into your skin. I want to ask you because Davis Gaines, and I've said this in many interviews, so 
it, you know, if uh, I sound like a broken record, I apologize to those who have heard this before. But Davis Gaines said that when you go into this business, uh, for many, you have a game plan. And then once you get into this business and the career starts to take off, it's almost as if you're in the midst of a pinball machine mm-hmm. because you start get, getting bandied around and your career takes on the shape of who you know, the circumstances that you get into, whatever happens as you go along. As you begin to find yourself and you your life starts to happen, do you have a game plan or does it happen because of the circumstances of who you meet, you uh, you fall in love, you get married, that uh, you know creates a certain uh, niche in your life. Uh, there are certain things that are happening. How is your life unfolding? And then add the other layer to that, which we're going to get to in a moment, um, is your spirituality and your consciousness uh, of a higher level, which you and I share and talk about on many uh, levels. Right. The conversations of people eavesdrop sometimes will think that we're t- from another planet sometimes. Well, yeah. Well, if only a game plan worked for me, but it never has. What does work for me is I rarely know who I'm talking to. Generally, I'm talking to God. Every time I walked into another restaurant, I would get a theater job. In fact, how the little detours happened, I was working at one of Danny Meyer's restaurants early on, Union Square Cafe, and wound up waiting on Vinnie Liff and wow. Ken. Yeah. They had come into the restaurant and they were uh, kind of toying with one of my young um, waiters and it was making him very uncomfortable and he came to me and he said maureen can you please take care of that table i i, I don't know and he's quite young and i went up to the table to the two of them and i'm like listen you two are old enough to be his uncle can you dial it down a bit there's so much free floating pms in the restaurant already and they start laughing and they're like what do you do and i'm like i don't answer personal questions i am here for your dining pleasure and then they, <laughs> so then they continued And Ken said to me, well, what can you do? And I said, give me your wallet and I'll read it. And that is the art of psychometry. And so he he was fascinated. He goes, okay. So I held it for like two minutes and I started telling him things. And he goes, that's right, that's right. And I'm like, but you're from Hong Kong. And he goes, and why is that important? I said, because I lived there for six months. So we had this whole conversation, not once, did I ever mention what I did? And nor did I know who they were. They were just adorable and lovely. And at the end of lunch, uh, Vinny had left his card on the table and on the and it was said Johnson and Lip Casting. And on the back of it, it said, if you are this entertaining on a stage, I can use you, please call me. <laughs> and I turn around to the rest of my colleagues and I say, who is Vinny Lift? And they're like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> so, so I call. That, my folks, is how you do it. <laughs> right? I call and um, he's so cute. And he goes, and this is at a time when Julie Andrews was actually looking for a cover for Victor Victoria. And uh, he said to me, um, can you speak, a, can you do a British accent? Sure. Would you come dressed as a man? Fine. Um, bring something to sing. Okay. Come pick up the sides. And I say to him, what are sides? sides? (laughs) He goes, oh, you're going to be fun. So I go in and I have a private audition with Blake Edwards. 
And I sing Learn to Be Lonely from a Dollhouse. And he looks at me and he goes, I love you. That's gorgeous. But you are so not right for this. He said, however, you are right for Phantom of the Opera. And I look at him and I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm not a Christine. I'm not a Carlotta. I'm a lyric, a Rossini mezzo. He goes, please stop telling me what you can't do and get your ass down here. By the way, how's your German? And I'm like, you are really batting a thousand. He said, show up tomorrow in Ger- with something in German. And I did. And a few weeks later, I got cast as a cover in Phantom and also to a swing, rather, cast as a swing and a cover for Madame Giry. And that started a whole nother chapter. Um, And just like that, when I was over in Switzerland, and this will help you a little bit, uh, we were covered by Swiss National Health. And the insurance covered alternative modalities. So Reiki, reflexology, shiatsu, all of this, uh, Rolfing, was covered by our insurance. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to try this all on. I've always wanted to try this on. I've wanted to learn how to do it. I wanted to maybe do it myself. I want to be licensed in cranial sacral work, all this stuff. But while that was going on, I ended up at a body-mind-spirit festival in London. And I fell in love with the music that Tim Weeder made. Most people, when I say, do you know who Tim Weeder is? They're like, no. And I'm like, he was a huge alto flautist for Annie Lennox and the Eurythmics before he switched over to new age music. He says to me, would you work Easter weekend? Come down to to Bath. And I do. And he goes, we're going to be in David Lord's studio. And I'm like, who is David Lord? And he looked at me and he goes, Gabriel, Van Morrison. I'm like, that doesn't mean anything. And he goes, oh, Maureen, he goes, you're going to be fun. Now I've got two men telling me this, right? So this is how all of this stuff, you know, led one thing led to the other. But all I feel like is I'm entertaining the powers that be above, because clearly this is not one, you know, set of directions, drive to the end of the road and you'll get your goal. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, as all these things are starting to happen, um, these, again, cosmic connections. You mentioned earlier uh, Michael Colby, uh, who is watching Michael Colby. Don't worry, Michael, we're getting to you. (laughs) So, uh, but uh, you, uh, this show, Cosmic Connections, um, there is just a major connection with you and Michael. Uh, You didn't know when you first met that you both had Connection number one, Northwestern University. Right. Um, and then let's start with the cabaret connection. Let's go there. So you um, you and I first met through uh, uh, Wednesday Night at the Iguana. Yeah. Um, how did you get into the world of cabaret from the world of opera and the world of theater? Well, honestly... All of these modalities are basically storytelling to music. And somewhere in my brain, and this will maybe upset a few people, but I bypassed the Great American Songbook largely because there are so many fabulous people that do it already. I was intrigued by contemporary composers' work because it hit me so much. And who knows, it may lead back to the American Songbook, but that's not how what happened for me, Brett, uh, Brett Christopherson. There's so many people that would ask me to sing their songs, and not only did I feel honored, but I would 
you know, you, you hone it so that it means something, but it doesn't mean anything unless you can actually share it with an audience and the real arena that, that take, that, that took place in for me was cabaret. But what is really wonderful about you, Maureen, is that you, um, even though, I mean, the, the intimacy of cabaret, um, you bring everything that you've learned to that arena uh, and you've got this theatrical bent that you bring to it. Um, I mean, your uh, Bob Merrill show, uh, I mean, you took every single one of those songs to a whole new level. It was almost as if we were hearing those songs for the first time because of what you did to them. You brought them to a whole new level, uh, an elevation that perhaps we had never heard those songs in that context before. And even though you're telling their story and you were true to the story that they were telling, uh, it, it was that. But, you know, let, again with Michael, what is it about Michael's music that resonates so deeply with you? And this is where you can leave now, Michael. <laughs> so well, that we can talk comfortably. <laughs> It didn't start that way. What happened was um, there are many times where I felt incredibly disappointed or let down after uh, several auditions or almost getting a job or not being the right thing. And I don't, when I first met Michael, um, it was at the Algonquin actually. Um, But I, and I didn't realize the vast, the vast catalog that he has, but it was more personal. What would happen is I, I'd be like, obviously I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. And I, I'd be kind of wallowing and I'd get a phone call from him out of the blue. It's happened every single time. And he would say, there's this event happening, whether it's at the Bruno Walter librarian or whether it's, you know, whatever it was John Zendarsnik's Monday nights. Would you be willing to sing one of my songs for me? And I would be thrilled. I didn't want to let him down. I wanted to do justice to the song and I really wanted people to get it. So every time I thought about, okay, I'm clearly not making headway, he would show up and it would kind of keep me on track. It's kind of like you fall off a diet and then you have to get back on again and beat at the gym again type of a Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. So when this, I had decided, I had so many songs of his and, um, I thought I should just do a whole show of Michael Colby songs. I did not tell him what I was doing. But before we get there, I want to ask you this question. Um, These songs that are all part of this album, there are 19 songs on the album. Mm. These songs, are they from shows that Michael has uh, written or these songs? I I know that individually they stand on their own. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that they do. Um, But are they... Uh, obviously you've taken them and you've put them into the context of your story so that you could connect them together. Connections. Uh, you've connected, uh, connect these songs together, but how did you thread them together? Well, um, I do this all the time. I make it my story through somebody else's words. And I've had many coaches and teachers along the way that have been, really, really uh, serious about honing in on your, um, uh, what's the word? Your authenticity. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so I'll, I'll remember, I, I remember because Peter, Peter Napolitano had actually given me the idea for the Bob Merrill show. And the first time I got together with him, I showed up with a corkboard and I had found a ton of songs that I would love to sing of Bob Merrill. But what I did is I had made a story out of the title of the songs on the little bulletin board. And often there'd be three songs that would say the same thing. Only one would do it better than the other. And this would craft and shape a story. Um, the Bob Merrill show, you know, it, it was Holly Golightly, you know, because mm -hmm. he wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's. And I thought, this is perfect. Let's make the character Holly Golightly and what she goes through to get to the end of the show. Um, similar, Michael Colby's show was, let me tell how many crazy, insane connections we have from growing up on Long Island, from going to Northwestern, from having similar food tastes, from um, uh, loving to reading and writing, from having many adventures always inspired by music. And so because he had asked me many different times, and he's a very quick writer, and he'll often shift, shape shift everything for either a male singer or a female singer, or he'll change words all the time. In fact, recording the, the music was very tricky because I have like five different versions of some of these songs. And he'd be like, no, I, this is the lyric I want. And I'm like, this is like years after the first if you gave it to me. So it was kind of funny, but that's how it happened. You know, we both uh, found our partners in life later in life. You know, we both love holidays. It's, you know, if you sit with somebody long enough, it is not six. It's maybe two or three degrees of separation between all of us that we can connect the dots on. It happens to me everywhere. It doesn't matter what country I'm in, people stop me for directions in their language. From Mandarin, Cantonese, to Italian, to French, and I said to my husband, well, am I wearing a sign? He goes, no, he goes, you look like you would help no matter what. So I'm like, oh my God. So how long did the idea ruminate within your head before you approached Michael to tell him that this was an idea that you had? Oh, this show actually had a life of its own. I really think that it was spearheaded spiritually because I had a deadline, you know, a certain plan, and it never worked that way. It just kept morphing and morphing and growing and growing. So um, once I actually read his book, The Algonquin Kid, I was like, oh, my God, there are so many synchronicities here. There's almost too much. And mm -hmm. many times I'm criticized for talking too much on my cabaret shows. But that's who I am. You know, I'm like, listen. It's the spoken word and the sung word. And usually I try to find a balance. Um, what did Stephen Mosher say? He said, you'll either get lost or keep up, but what a way to wander through the woods. I love it. I just, I just I, I love that. So what did you, you know, from start to finish. So when you went to uh, Michael, because one of the things that I love, one of my favorite words is collaboration. Yeah. So you go to Michael, you tell him you want to do this. Um, did you choose the musical director? Did Michael choose the musical director? Was this a collaborative effort? How did you choose the next element? Uh, with well, go together? Um, Michael, uh, Matt Castle is a very, very dear friend of mine and a magnificent singer, musician, conductor, orchestrator, piano player. 
And we had so connected during Bob Merrill. So there was no, I was like, when are you available? That's how this went. Because we think the same way. You know, it's uh, it's mathematical uh, on some levels. Um, and I hear harmonies all the time. Very few people, I mean, I stand next to him and I'm like, no, don't play what's on the page, play this. You know what I mean? I'll hear a cello, I'll hear whatever. And that's exactly how he is. Um, he's like, you should really write music. And I'm like, I wouldn't even know where to begin, but I can tell you what I hear. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And that's, that's how that happened. Um, and so we put it all together and he would make suggestions too, because Matt had worked with so many people. Uh, he and Frank have done a ton of orchestrations for Disney. They have done a ton of um, compilations of orchestrations for a school for kids, um, not unlike stage stars type of a thing, but the word is very huge for me. Growing up, my parents would not allow us to have a television. They thought the six of us had enough to fight over without adding a TV to the mix. Oh my God, that's interesting. So it wasn't until like we were in high school that this changed. What it did do is it made us avid breeders. And instead we would get in trouble for reading under the covers with flashlights. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I was always frustrated because the first time, you know, most of the time I would see television when I was babysitting or a mother's helper or nannying. And inevitably, the people would come home five minutes before the end of the movie. <laughs> so I was like, why am I watching this? But we, in summer school, I mean, you know, first kindergarten through sixth grade, the, the libraries always had these summer school programs. And, you know, you'd get gold stars for how many books, but I'm, you could often find me in the stacks, in a library, on the floor. I mean, to this day, in a Barnes and Noble, on the floor reading, you know, going through a book. And I'm a really quick reader. You know, I can get through something pretty quickly. And it, for me, it was great because it meant I didn't have to buy it. You know what I mean? It was just like, okay, let me read it here. And then I can just look it up online for cliff note purposes or that kind of a thing. Um, um, one of my favorite courses in school uh, at Northwestern was uh, Western Lit. And Tragut Larler was my professor. And I don't know how he dealt with me at all because I either aced it or I failed because I'd either be on target or I'd be so in love with all the research that I'd never get it done in time. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, so, I'm, so what you're saying is that you really love the whole idea of just researching and researching and researching. Yeah. 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 So once you chose, uh, you knew that you were going to work with Matt, did yeah. you also bring in another director or was it just the three of you working on this? No, Matt and Frank are pretty funny. Um, they're quite a team. And so I said, let's not bring in a director. Frank, Frank gives me his input all the time. Let's just do it like that. And because those two think alike, it's a very symbiotic. I was just, it was the three of us. And the magic actually happens when we're together in the room. Uh, it doesn't always happen in texts and phone calls and stuff in like that. In the room where it happens, yes. In the room, it's like this. And so I constantly, you know, I'll find out when I'm at uh, coachings, and this happens with most of the people that I work with, I have to leave my tape recorder on in between because the pearls of what's going to happen happen when I talk. It's not when I'm singing. It's like, oh, that's the idea. That's how I link it. That's how they'll get it. I'm the same yeah. way. I do the same. That's funny. I do the same exact thing. But I, I, I want to know what your approach is because there are some people 
who, when they get the idea that they're going to do a new show, they set a date and then they work towards that. And then there are some people who start working and then they, when they feel that they've got enough to go on, then they set a date. Right. I've done it both ways. I've done it both ways. This particular project kept getting put off and put off and put off because Matt and Frank kept getting work. They had done chick flicks. They had to travel. They were recording in London. They were doing all kinds of things. What was funny is one of my side hustles was um, trade shows. And I wound up in San Francisco at the same time that they were, and they were doing the last five years. And we'd, I mean, it, and it would always be like, um, let's go out for a bottle of wine and talk about this. And I'd make sure I brought my tape recorded because that's where all this stuff would happen. You know, it was just, it was wild. So um, I don't always find that setting a date works. I tend to say, Okay, so there is a part two of this, right? We're going to try to do a part two of this. And what I do first is I go through my calendar and I look up every Mercury retrograde there is and X those out. I don't do shows. I don't do taxes. I don't do anything that that matters to me. Although I will tell you, I have been studying Mercury retrogrades and there are ways of embracing them. Absolutely. As long as you've already started it, you can complete it. But that's what I look at first. And then I look at holidays. And then I look at times. I've done shows at seven. I've done shows at 9.30 at night. I've done shows at one in the afternoon. I've done shows at four. For me, four o'clock on Saturdays and Sundays are what work. Um, and every now you know and then- else, You know who else does her planning around the moon phasing? Who? Sally Darling. Oh, I love Sally Darling. Yes, yes. I haven't Did seen you know her. That? I did not know that. But that's the first thing I look at because- it's not going to happen or it's just going to be just challenging. So that's what I look at. And then I, then I connect with spirit and I'm like, what it is, what is it I most need to know now? One of the, you know, I was always fascinated by horoscopes and tarot reading and everything else. And of course, when you're younger and you're growing up, it's always about three things. It's about money, it's career. And when am I going to find the love of my life type of a thing? Until you learn that a better way to do things is to ask spirit what it is you most need to know now. Because miracles only happen in the present moment. No matter how much you plan, you desire, you create, whatever, if you are in the, what is it I need to know now? And then apply it to the project. Um, Now, uh, I think we got a, a uh, a bombshell announcement here. Uh, Sally Darling and Maureen may be doing an upcoming show for me, Michael says. Oh, wow. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> He's magnificent. Oh, my God. Do you know this? Um, so did you know anything about this? No. <laughs> In fact, I haven't seen Sally Darling. Um, I know, you know what I mean? In fact, I had uh, invited her and I know she hasn't been out and about and all of us have been taking care of our health and our immune system and everything else and gauging what feels right to us, going to what we resonate with type of a thing. I haven't seen a lot of people for a while, to be honest with you, um, because there were so many personal things that I was dealing with for a while. Um, And then 
you know, my work has just started to come back because my side hustles are catering, you know what I mean? And, and restaurants and they just started to come back. Um, um, but it, it interferes with when I can go out at night. It's that kind of thing. But, you know, you get the work when you can get it and then you roll. And it was one of the lessons I first, when I was living in London, I did a lot of silver service there. And a lot of the colleagues of mine were Australian. And their motto is make as much money as you can, then go on a long vacation. When it runs out, go back to work again. They don't worry about losing a job, you know, gaining a job, that type of thing. It's an Aussie walkabout thing. And it's a really freeing thing because it's like, try it on. Don't save, you know, don't put things away for a rainy day. Stay in the moment, celebrate it, try it now kind of a thing. And let's face it, the Brits were not so thrilled about catering. They kind of looked down on it. So I always was dealing with the Australians and the uh, the Kiwis. It was just crazy. I want to ask you two questions and then we're going to give, uh, we're going to work towards uh, doing a giveaway. And the okay. first question is, what have you learned about yourself through the process of this show? To let go of being perfect, to try the best I can, because that involves control issues, to be as authentic as possible. But for me, the process is about uplifting and inspiring other people. So if I can tell a story where it lifts somebody up, or I came out on the other side, and they don't have to go through the process if they get what happened to me, that makes me feel good. I mean, um, it's always amazing to me that I never went into, well, actually, the choice for college was it was medical, it was medicine or music. So ironically enough, I just shifted gear and it became alternative medicine instead. But whenever I'm around people, my first thought is, oh my God, how can I help you? Or would this help you? You know what I mean? Or let me send you an oil or let me do this. You know what I mean? And it's I've had to learn balance because you can be easily depleted if you do that all the time. And you can also lose your focus and you can also lose your um, your goal so that you achieve. So it's important to learn neutrality. And I struggle with that all the time. It's We're conditioned almost to take things personally. And until all of us can read each other's minds, we're left with words and, and let's face it, it is so easy to misinterpret an email and a text. And even if you're on a phone, at least the timbre of your voice, even if you get both feet stuck in your mouth, like we all do as humans, it is so much easier to convey the truth of the message. And this is why I lose my mind with my with the younger you know crew and my nieces and nephews who are up for 20 texts versus a five-minute phone call. And I'm like, listen, I don't have time for this. I'm usually walking. Pick up the phone. It'll be over in five minutes. It'll all be nice and neat and tied up. If you insist on texting 20 million texts to me, it's not going to happen. It just drives me nuts. But it's my pet peeve. I understand that for some people they feel much more comfortable doing that than actually having a conversation. So again, finding the balance. Is there a cosmic connection to the date that you picked for April? I mean, for April 23rd. Yeah, it's a six and I am a six. Um, I, in fact, my life path is a 33 six um, and um, sixes are caretakers. Um, 
Sixes like everything to be perfect, but they like everything to be perfect so that they can relax and everybody around them can relax. There are pros and cons to every number, and there are different kinds of sixes. There's a you know, 51, 24, 33 is a double whammy because three in numerology is about expressing. I'm a no three. Matter, well, no matter what you do, whether it's singing, speaking, reading, writing, it, you have to. That is your vehicle. You have to express. You're not going to be a seven. A seven is maybe a book writer who has to be in seclusion for part of their day so they get their work done. But then they have to come out to share it. Do you know what I mean? And, and these are the characteristics of the number. But um, I did choose the dates. Um, you know, six for me. And well, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, it's good. It's we're also I wanted it sometime before the end of April, because for the longest time, no planets have been in retrograde and that will change the last week of April and we will be in eclipse season. So I was like, let's do something that has been going on forever and celebrate it before change really happens again. April 23rd also is the anniversary. Uh, this will be the 50, uh, I'm sorry, the 61st anniversary of Judy Garland's Carnegie Hall concert, April 23rd. And of course, that is was the is still, I think, the biggest selling double album in history. Wow. And I think may it be the same for you and Michael. So well, I I I hope so because I think everybody should hear his music. There is something for everybody. And as you said before, they are standalone songs, even if they came out of shows. And there's so many of them that have tremendously deep messages. So I'm I'm really excited to share that and have people see that. Not everybody sees that side of Michael. So it's great. So everyone, you have a chance to win this CD tonight. All you need to do is put in hashtag intuition. Um, I end my shows with my homage to James Lipton inside the Actors Studio. So I've got some questions here for you. Uh, and then at the end of this, we will do the drawing. Uh, so uh, get those uh, hashtag intuitions in right now. And the first question I'm going to ask you is, what's the best thing... Uh, you have worked in the restaurant industry. You have traveled the world, everything. I want to know what is the best dish that you've ever tasted in your travels, in your restaurant business, anything? Well, that's kind of loaded because, as you know, I'm a condiment queen. <laughs> I could live on dim sum tapas mezdas for the rest of my life. When I first met my husband, there was a bottle of champagne in the refrigerator. There was a bottle of vodka in the freezer, which I don't drink anymore because he switched me to tequila. And there were a thousand and one little bottles of marinades and lemons and mustards and everything. And he's like, what in God's name do you do? And I said, I dip. I like sauces and marinades. <laughs> but Richard, I love, I really love Greek and Italian food. I love a, a, a huge Mediterranean diet. And um, if I want to splurge, I'll go for paella. Wow. Uh, I will say this. When Danny and I were in Rome, uh, eating there, I, the best experience in the world. I, just the best. Um, have you ever experienced any prejudice in your career? And if so, how did you get through it? Yeah. Well, 
it's really interesting. More type. Um, I have to say, I think a lot of the classes that I took, I'll, I'll, certain teachers were like, just know, more so in the Broadway musical theater world, that many times you will not get a job and it has nothing to do with your talent. You may be too tall. You may look older than your male partner. You may, like, uh, not. Nah, I'll remember the interview you just had with Sandy Duncan. I was actually up to cover for uh, The King and I. And Barry Moss was like, you're too tall. <laughs> and her cover needs to be smaller. And then I got called in again for um, Little Women, the tour. And then they changed the cover for Maureen McGovern to also be Aunt March. And he goes, you're not right. And I'm like, am I ever going to get a job based on the fact that I love it, I want it, I'm right for it, or will it always be these extracurriculars that keep me from getting a job? And that's just the reality of it. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? So I don't know if I would quite call that prejudice, um, but restrictions for sure. You know, it's very interesting. Um, I have a, a, a dear friend uh, who has... Um, a great uh, show, David Zimmerman. Everyone watch his shows. He does a lot of uh, interviews with people in the business with disabilities. And he had a great actress on the show who is a little person. And she said that when she walks into an audition, they think Wizard of Oz, uh, Radio City Music Hall Christmas Show, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, oh. uh, all these things, they don't think of her as a mother, as a grandmother, as a wife, as a lover, as any of the things that she is. They'd see her as this little person and as a munchkin, as you know, all these things. And she said she has to live with this yeah. because it's the only way that they can see her. And it's yeah. very sad. Um, What's one decision that you can make today that will save you from making 10 more decisions in the future? Oh, do it now. <laughs> That's it. Just do it now. Um, every time I think about it needs to be perfect, I start procrastinating and it gets pushed off and pushed off and pushed off so that I set myself up for high drama instead of complete the task. Great, great answer. I don't like doing taxes. Um, and I think you pretty much have answered uh, this next question, but if there's anything that was left out that you can answer, then you can throw this in. Now's your chance. And the question is, if there's any backstory on what you're currently working on, is there any part of the backstory that was left out today? No, I, I think we've covered a great deal of it. Absolutely. That's great. I have a calendar. Um, you know, uh, Howard Tucker, who watches this show, I don't think he's on tonight. Uh, it's probably at a show, but he'll catch this in the uh, instant replay. He sent me a great calendar uh, as a just an act of uh, kindness. And it's a daily act of kindness calendar. And I pulled a passage from this and it said, uh, create a gratitude jar. Uh, keep a small notepad by the jar uh, 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 and write down the things that you're grateful for throughout the month. 
uh, watch the jar fill up uh, as the month goes on. And I want to ask you, uh, do you uh, keep a list of things that you're grateful for? Is there anything in your life that you would be anything similar to a gratitude jar? Well, there are a couple of things. So a nightly activity is before you go to bed to do this. Um, after you do one thing that I recommend to most people, because as artists, we're all empathic and that can create all kinds of drama. And I always say to people, take a shower before you go to bed at night and wash the people off. So, and then I also tell them to uh, take some sea salt and surround the bed at night to create a barrier and a boundary so that you can focus on what your path is but after you've done that is the perfect time to go over your day and be grateful for everything for as simple as when I got on the subway, the train was there. You know what I mean? I mean, it can be, can be simple as I woke up and I'm alive this morning type of thing, that kind of a deal. But there's always something and they do fill up. Um, it's really amazing. I think I told you before um, I had gone down the rabbit hole uh more towards the end of the pandemic and we hadn't heard from each other and uh, I didn't want you to take it personally. And I said to you, I hit a point where everything was too much. And the two things that I made myself do were celebrate the pandemic birthdays on Facebook and make sure I posted an inspirational meme every day. And that doesn't sound like a lot, Oh, it does. It does to me. It changed the whole um, nature of my day. And then I was like, I'm still here. I there, there still must be something for me to do and share and facilitate. That's wonderful. Uh, what took energy away from you this week? Well, coordinating everybody's schedule to make life happen was a little crazy. And then all of us got ill. I had worked a catering gig like two weeks ago. For the past four days, I had no voice up until yesterday. Wow. Um, it was it was very scary. And And yet, a part of me was like, this is all going to work out. And while that was going on, it was like, you know, people call you all the time and they're like, can you make a reservation for me here? Can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do that? And then I'm like, <laughs> how am I going to juggle all these hats? And I just had to let a lot of it go, but it was a little nerve wracking. I have to say this week was pretty challenging because um, I was really, really ill last week. I didn't have a voice. I finally went over to urgent care after I tried every alternative modality and I was like, I need a ZPAC. And she's like, how do you know? I said, I'm a singer. I think I know. I said, we just got out of strep. This kind of needs to happen. And it needs to happen soon because your body takes whatever time it takes to heal. And I put it out to the universe. There has been so much TLC that's gone into this show that we want to share with everybody that I want to be at my fittest and at my utmost best. And then I surrendered it. Usually I'm holding on to it and manipulating it and controlling it. And one of my big lessons is to, you know, surrender it and not take it back. But this week I was like, I'm trusting it. It's going to be all there. I even went to my tech the other day and I said to this, I said to this 
this wonderful Adam who is who is working our show. I said, don't worry, I will have a voice. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he just, I don't, it was his first introduction to me, so I'm sure it was kind of crazy, but I'm like, <laughs> I will have a voice. So. Uh, who is the person that you know with the freest spirit? Hmm. Well, that's really a tough one for me. Um, I have to say it is a dear friend of mine who just got into the Guinness Book of World Records as the oldest living drag artist, Maisie Trelette, a.k.a. David Raven, out of his flipping mind can wind up an audience for an hour, not sing a song or a note, and then let it rip. He's 89 years old, crazy and a blast, has had a huge, huge, huge history. But um, this is one of the things I loved about the Panto Queens in Brighton when I lived there. Nobody lip syncs, everybody's fabulous. Everybody walks around in all their slap drag and everything else, but they can all sing and they can all communicate with an audience. And he was wild. He's one of the first Panto uh, peeps that I met when I was over there. And again, it was on a psychic round. He was having trouble with his legs and I was massaging it with him. And I said to him, you're a Leo. He goes, how do you know? And I said, I don't know. I just do know that your birthday is August 15th. And that blew him out of the water. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. So oh my God, God bless him. And good yeah. for him for being in the Guinness Book of World, Rec yeah. World Records. Um, who is the scariest person that you've ever encountered in this profession? And you don't have to mention names. I'm only asking um, about the circumstances. And again, you don't have to give the circumstance, but how you were able to get past that situation. Because this is about empowerment. Yeah, it's also tricky when you're the oldest because, you know, you're the good girl. You're the good little girl. You have to do everything right. Um, it wasn't so much the performing world. I'm used to the performing world because most of the time these kind of things are about insecurities. It was the chapter I had in sex, retail, selling perfume. There was so much drama there was such an incestuous, it was shape-shifting. The energy for me became quite toxic because there was a constant one-up, but it was not a healthy competition. Um, and I, uh, it, did a, it did a number on me, I have to say. And so my way around it was to outsell and to, um, you know, rack up a track record of, you know, doing really well. But it was short-lived for me. And for me, it was a flight or, flight or fight response. And, and it did a number because intuition, as you know, is not the same thing as gut. Gut is always about survival. And that really honed my gut instincts because I was always looking over my shoulders. And it was a really grueling thing, but I needed to do it because I needed a job at the time period. And I thought, dear God, please let me come out of this in one piece. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's 
performers, whether it's spiritual community, whether it's sororities, fraternities, our family, our colleagues, there is a fishbowl mentality in every single one of them. There is always somebody vying for control and power. And at some point, the less attention you give these people, the easier it is for them to move on to somebody else. But it's taken me a long time to learn that because I wanted everybody to like me. I was a people pleaser. And I'm just starting to realize the significance. Well, I'm not just starting to realize it. I'm just starting to make it happen of what yes. boundaries can do. That's wonderful. And this is my last question. So everyone, this is your last chance to get that in there. Um, what are the circumstances in which you most resist change in your life? Well, well, my husband will tell you I'm quite stubborn. And as you know, <laughs> as Aquarians, we celebrate change for everybody, but we can be, we're fixed signs for God's sake. We're fixed signs. We like to feel comfortable in our lane, even though we break the rules all the time. So um, um, I guess letting go, uh, he's like, how do you even know where anything is? And this is the argument we have all the time because I want my books. I want my music. And let's face it, in feng shui, trees. Trees fix energy. If you want to grow, you got to get rid of it. It's that kind of a thing. Um, but um, finding the balance between enjoying structure versus enjoying free flow is an everyday thing with me. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. So let's give away uh, a CD. And this is how it works. We're going to go here. And we'll see who's going to get the CD. And uh, let's see. Francis, thank you. So I will put you in touch with each other and uh, you'll get the CD. And I hope you'll sign it for Francis. That'll oh, my a, God. Absolutely. That'll be a nice gesture. Or Francis, better yet, go to Don't Tell Mama on uh, Saturday. Introduce yourself and you'll give it to her. Am I correct? Uh, absolutely. And, but if you, I'd make that happen fast. I think there's one seat left. I, I think it's pretty sold out. That's great. I'm going to take this out. Uh, Francis, I hope you can get there. So make that reservation tonight and let me know if you're going to be able to make it. You'll, it, you'll, you'll have a great time if you'll do that. Don't go anywhere for a moment. I want to thank everybody for being here tonight. Don't go anywhere for a minute, Maureen. Um, I, I hope you had a great time tonight. Maureen, I love you. You're one of my favorite people on this planet. And I'm not just saying that because you're here tonight. Uh, I would say that if you weren't here tonight, uh, you truly are one of my favorite people. Um, and it means a lot that you uh, spent an hour with me. It means a lot that everybody here, uh, Doug, Francis, Michael Colby, thank you for the gifts that you've given to the world and that you're going to continue to give to the world. Uh, dangerous, 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 major, major, major Broadway hit. Uh, it's in the stars. I can feel it. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping, I'm hoping. Um, and uh, all good things. Um Thank you for being here. Um, if you enjoyed tonight's show, I hope you did. Please, even though you've been leaving comments here after the show, 
please leave a comment on uh, YouTube and share through YouTube. And what that will do, that will increase the ranking of the video. And that will get other people to see this and hopefully buy CDs. And we'll keep Maureen's name out there and Michael Colby's name out there because it's very important uh, that we keep that music flowing and the cosmic connections continuing to connect. Uh, I also end every show, as you all know, uh, by telling you to go out and do something nice for somebody else without expecting anything in return. What you can do is, uh, now, where can they get the CD? Right. So it's on all the streaming platforms. Um, right now, the, the CDs are going to be at live events. Uh, the Brainstorm Records is releasing this. This is the brain child of Matt Castle and Frank Galgano. This came out of a happy hour conversation. And there were just like, let's start one. It's still a work in progress, but hey, here we are. And um, this is, we're, we're really excited about this, to be honest with you. So uh, Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, um, if you actually, if you just type in Cosmic Connections, the lyric of Michael, Michael Colby, the the streaming platforms all. I'll get all that information on YouTube so it'll be easier for people to be able to get that. So what you can do is I will have all that information on uh, my YouTube channel. So everyone who hears this, if you are within any uh, cosmic connection with my voice, uh, what I would like you all to do is I would like you to go to one of the links that you will find there and I would like you to order two copies of Cosmic Connections. <laughs> I would like you to keep one copy for yourself and then I'd like you to reach out to, uh, let's see, uh, in numerology, what's to, uh, what's the number today, uh, Maureen? Uh, today's four. Four uh, is today. about foundation and about growth and fertility. Yeah. So today we're going to keep, we're going to cause this to grow. So what you're going to do is you're going to reach out to the fourth uh, name on your Facebook friends list, and you're going to call that person and you're going to tell them what they mean to you. Um, I'm, I said this a couple of days ago, and I'm going to repeat it. Uh, Robert Morris just passed away. Uh, uh, Jay uh, Binder just passed away. Um, my dear friend Barbara Sickman just passed away a couple of days ago. And I was just on the phone tonight. Uh, I'm not going to mention the name, uh, but uh, a very well-known dancer uh, is uh, slipping away and may not make it through the night. Uh, and uh, I was speaking with a friend who is taking care of him. And as I, you know, Maureen and I, you know, we think about these things on this spiritual level and everything and how we are all connected. But I see these postings on social media and people posting photographs and uh, messages about how these people change their lives. And I think about how wonderful it would be if those postings were there before they pass on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know we can't do that with everybody, but if we take one person a day, if you go to that fourth person on that list uh, today and tomorrow the fifth person and the day after that, the sixth person and make that your daily goal, just to say for today, I'm gonna reach out to that person and I'm gonna make that person know how important they are in my life. And we do that with each other, it's gonna change the the entire planet instead of tearing each other down as we are constantly doing social media is based on three things like comment share like comment share and if it's something that you don't like 
or you don't want to comment on in a positive way and you don't feel like sharing, hide the comment or delete it because it's not adding to the positivity on this planet. So that's my message for all of you tonight. And as my dear friend, our dear friend, Sean Moniger always says, we are all in this together, but we're not in the same boat. You never know what someone else is going through right now. And I always say, if you're gonna go out in a boat, make sure you bring a skipper along. Now, Maureen, I'm gonna leave the screen and I'm gonna give you the final word. Anything you wanna say about anything that we talked about tonight that you wanna build upon, anything that we didn't talk about that you wish we had, or just any final message that you wanna put out to anyone who's watching right now. I wish you a very successful day on Saturday and a very successful launch uh, for both you and Michael uh, with this uh, CD in the next chapter. Uh, of cosmic connections and may those cosmic connections for all of us keep happening over and over and over again. Maureen, I love you. And now you've got the stage to yourself. It's all yours. Thank you. So let me just say thank you all for sharing, so generously sharing your time and spending with it with us. This project is near and dear to my heart and I really love Michael Colby and his work. And I just want you all to know Saturday is pretty booked. And if it goes successfully full as we think it will, there may be another date and we will keep you posted. But I'm just going to wish you all well because we've completed Passover. We've completed Easter. This weekend is Orthodox Easter. Heck, we've even completed taxes. It's time for a new chapter and a new chapter that is dictated by positivity. So just remember who you surround yourself with is so vital and so essential. And I'm wishing you all much light, love, and laughter with as much ease as possible. Thank you so much.